McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Yes, I don't know if it's because of all the Thelema we've been reading, but I had a dream last night that me and Carolina were in a thruple with like mm. a young James Caan. I mean, that, that fit really does fit. <laughs> what a lucky, what a lucky young James Caan. But that's the thing. It was lucky for James Caan because I was I was the one that felt put out. You know how it mm-hmm. happens? You know, it, I was I felt a little put out of the whole thing. Okay, wait, fine, wait James. I'm just going to go eat my chicken vindaloo alone. But is this because <laughs> he wouldn't let you fuck him? No, 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 no. They just seem to be having a better time without me. Yeah, why'd you dream that were. you were with another dude? I mean, which is fine. But it's, it's not just... his fault. He doesn't know. It's his yeah. dream. <laughs> I don't choose what I dream about. Huh. And, that's... and it's Thelema. And in Thelema, there's a lot of those MMF okay. situations happening. A lot there of spit roasting. Is. A lot it, of spit roasting. It is very difficult to be a magician <laughs> because one of the singular most difficult things, I, I think, truly, is to be able to sit in a fairly stuffy uh, room surrounded by a group of people in robes and remain hard because that is one of the trials okay. of one of the steps of the OTO is literally you must enter into the circle mm. rude published oh. that is what they called it <laughs> and then you have to maintain it which is very difficult for me because again I yeah. love to perform but not when it's intimate tough day yeah. to be a janitor welcome to last podcast on the left everyone i am ben hanging out with marcus the newly horned up marcus by the way looking at james Kahn's young tushy and henry zabrowski so you were watching them have sex with each other not at all i don't know i said nothing in my statement to imply that yet you said there was a thruple <laughs> a thruple yeah a thruple not necessarily a threesome a thruple oh. is different from a threesome so you uh, were doing say, the boring part you were yeah. doing the, everybody sitting yeah. around figuring out what we're gonna watch on netflix and a Ooh. trifecta Ooh, yeah together the thruple oh. i'm talking about a thruple that's why i Disgusting. said thruple not threesome no it was a yeah. thruple Ooh. and then at the end of it like uh an old like girlfriend from high school like this really mm. christian girl she got a hold of me like, hey, I hear you're having some troubles. You want to get together? I'm like, I don't want that either. You know what oh. I find interesting? You know, in our dreams, everybody you see is you. Indeed, that's the case. <laughs> and of course, the thruple, that's what I call my air, land, and sea, my fish filet, chicken breast sandwich, and good old beef. I, okay. Technically, that's already called a McGangbang. That's oh, already been done. The McGangbang. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Oh. All right, everyone. We're on to Jack Parsons part two. 
So when we last left Jack Parsons, the year was 1939, and he'd just been introduced to the Los Angeles occult scene in the form of the Agape Lodge of the OTO, founded by Aleister Crowley. At the same time, he was also making seismic breakthroughs in the scientific world through his work in rocketry. And can they be uncoupled? I submit that they cannot. Okay. But by 1939, the term rocket was seen as a purely science fiction term. Mm. Put another way, it would be like if we developed faster than light technology, but called it warp drive instead of the more scientific way of saying it, FTL. But that's what I fucking hate. Just call it warp drive. Yeah, just call it warp drive. I think that's a problem, though. And then Trump (laughs) did it with Space Force. And then you're like, oh, it's fun that it's Space Force. But they don't do anything. They just got a new flag. Mm. And it's stupid. Yeah. Well, they're blowing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. So, to shed the science fiction connotations, the Jack Parsons crew at Caltech, the so-called Suicide Squad, they decided to change the name of their technology. Magic. Instead of calling them rockets, Parsons and the rest would from then on refer to this new technology as... Metal hot dogs. (laughs) Perfect. Jet technology. Jet Jet technology. Okay, (laughs) jets. They all got together and they they faced off against those Puerto Ricans. That's the jets and the sharks, my friend. That is... uh, Now I forgot what it is. West West Side Story. West Side Story. However, this technology was not shooting towards the stars just yet in 1939. Hmm. World War II had already begun, and conflict, in one way or another, was obviously on the horizon for the United States. So, the Suicide Squad was given funding from the government to develop jet-assisted takeoff for their fighter and cargo planes. This technology was known as JADO. Cool. And the Suicide Squad became America's first government-sanctioned rocket research group. I'm going to be using the term JADO a lot. Over yes. the okay, so just get used to it. Jado, and what does it stand for again? Jet the- assisted takeoff. That's why I'm reiterating. Jado, thank you. J a t o. It's the evil cousin of Kato. He uh, was actually. Uh, he was in. He the, did too much meth to fall asleep. He was outside of the pool house. <laughs> oh, okay. So after almost blowing themselves up on the Caltech campus with a twin set of explosions, when an oxygen line caught fire and ignited a tank of ethylene. The Suicide Squad asked the government for a budget of $100,000. Hey. That's nothing. They got 10. Oh, good. But we're still overjoyed that someone was finally taking them seriously. And they'd honestly sort of highballed it a little bit. You ask for a lot, you get a little. I've seen Shark Tank. It's important to do. In fact, Parsons and his crew believed that they had been immediately welcomed into the higher ranks of scientific society. Because just after they'd received funding, they were invited to a formal dinner at Caltech. They're in the big leagues. We're going to get, we're going to war, we're getting chicken. (laughs) This is really (laughs) exciting. Good broccoli, too. Mm. However, Frank Molina, one of their crew, discovered that the Suicide Squad had actually been invited to the fancy dinner due to a clerical error, but Frank didn't have the heart to tell the rest of the crew that they'd only been invited by accident. Who cares? If you're invited by accident, you're still invited. I think that's how we've gotten invited to Heidi Klum's Halloween party. I'm not going to tell her that we're invited because as soon as they find out, then you're then you're off the list. A W is a W in all areas of life. Never question. Just Absolutely. show up. Show up. You You were invited. So after months of testing different powder formulas in huts made of corrugated iron in the Arroyo Seco, where the temperatures regularly hit 100 degrees, Parsons made a breakthrough that got the crew closer to Jado, jet-assisted takeoff. 
So oh, yeah, government, that's, what that's what it stands for. <laughs> so the government doubled his group's funding in 1940. Yeah, man. But just as Parsons was breaking new ground in the field of rocketry, he was also immersing himself in the works of Aleister Crowley. Mr. Crowley! <laughs> and he was well on his way to discovering knowledge that he believed would allow him to change the fabric of reality. Because not only was it Kong's own Pax that was a book that inspired him, which was, we talked a little bit last week, which is what Aleister Crowley views as one of the fundamental books that one must read in order to even become a Minerval inside of the OTO. In order to even a become, Yeah, that's what the initiates are called. <laughs> a Minerval? Right? A Minerval. Oh, my. Um, but he was also obsessed with a book called Darker Than You Think, which was uh, by Jack Williamson, and it's about what? Where people, anybody where that can people. turn into an animal. It's a secret society that has fostered doubt in were werewolves, right? So that they could go back and hide, right? Once, because mm -hmm. they, they staged the witch hunts of the 1800s, right? To uh -huh. say, look, we got all the witches and they all the werewolves. Cost, we got them all. They, they were, did it. They were and, LARPing. Yes. No, they, but they were werewolves. Oh. And then they went into <laughs> hiding so they could go and plan their next move so they can come back and take over the world. But he got really into this concept of shape shifting, right? There was mm -hmm. like something about this and the fact that the lead woman in the book was a big bosomed flaming red haired green eyed woman that oh, would become uh, as we see woman yes his obsessions as things went on but this is now we're seeing him in what i call his like neophyte phase yeah. where he is starting to understand the processes of magical thinking and ritual mm -hmm. and he is getting obsessed with it because at the same time not only is it like personally fulfilling it's inspiring but it's getting him out of the world of all these stuffy scientists and getting him into the world of all this hot ass bush all mm -hmm. right so how, now you feel better getting that off your chest that's one thing all right fantastic <laughs> a merville sounds like an otter that doesn't like to swim he's been saving that <laughs> ah, he's a typical merville minerval minerval he's a typical minerval now concerning alistair crowley perhaps the most important concept in his belief system the lema is that of will, which, again, is not necessarily how we think of will. It's sure. not the will to succeed or the will to survive. Rather, will in Thalamic terms is more destiny combined with purpose. And again, this is more of your interpretation. Will, as you'll discover, the more and more you read it, the more and more you understand that it is a constant shifting deciphering of will and mm. what that means on any different level. Like it both mm. means it is both a practical level, like just straight up, it is my will to be the hottest Scottish Polish NBA player that they've ever seen, right? Well, that's not possible. Exactly. But that's just one of my wills, right? That then you find out what it be lines within the up. realm of possibility. That's the idea. Is that well, your true will maybe, also maybe. Because mm. think about it, was it really in the realm of possibility for any one of us to be professionals in the entertainment industry? I don't fucking know. I well, definitely I was born, so. not necessarily. We were born way outside of it. None of us had institutional connections. What do we see? Mostly people who make it in entertainment are people that are born in money and in mm. magic. Yeah, but, though, like, but it would be like if we didn't have any mouths or eyes or ears or feet <laughs> or hands. But you got to be super yeah. talented then. Yeah, You yeah, have to be true. the torso man. 
I had like two fortune tellers telling me when I was a kid that that I was going to do well in entertainment. Well, that's so that, because they that. were just trying to molest you. <laughs> <laughs> that's different. But again, it's more about like no. these concepts are like moving and shifting. So yeah. it really depends on what aligns with you. And with Jack Parsons, as soon as he discovered this, because we talked about last episode, he was such a headstrong motherfucker that he was like, ah, yes, I know my will. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my interpretation still holds, I think. Destinies change, purposes change. Yeah. And in Thalamic thought, every person has a true will or purpose that should be pursued to the exclusion of all else. And of course, that can change. Purposes change, goals change. Right. And Crowley theorized that much of the world's problems came from people not following their true will. And perhaps from, you know, Henry's interpretation, that it might be not recognizing when your will has changed, holding on to something far longer than you should. Exactly. Or it's like a dude named Minerval who has a who was born with his foot backwards, but also became an NFL kicker. But again, <laughs> learn how to use it, understood. I need to do football backwards. So he kicks it backwards, yep. which is like a horse. That's something else. That's yeah. something different. Jado. <laughs> That's his know it is. All right, I'm getting it now. Now, I think the concept of true will, I think it holds true for some people and it isn't true at all for others. Although I'll admit that the older I get, even since we did our Aleister Crowley series, I mean, the more of the concept of true will really does make a lot of sense to me. Because it's on you to mine yourself, the raw material of your spirit, to find what the will is. And that's on, the thing. It's gonna, on you to do it. I'm going to go yeah. make some raw material right now. Right. <laughs> you see, again, the man is of chicken wing, right? <laughs> ben Kissel's will is mostly centered around chicken wing issues and chicken wing politics, right? And yeah. chicken like what's in that world. And in that, Kissel's expressing his Bud Light will. Right. That is true. As a matter of fact, on Sunday, I did get a little bit too drunk and I was like, chicken wings. Why do they call them chicken wings when they're actually chicken feet? Uh, and then <sighs> I just completely, utterly no, correct. There's no way they have to be the wing. But I was like convinced for like 30 seconds there were feet. No, oh, man. isn't that weird? <laughs> you can buy know. chicken feet. Have you never been I, to a grocery store? No, I store? know. I'm I've so fought, confused. I fought all over myself I'm just with this. So, like, I, just, I was just for some reason, I was like... Why would they call chicken wings it's chicken just, wings when they're feet? And I was like, but I was like, no, that's wrong. It's in the name of the food. I know. <laughs> I was questioning everything. <sighs> well, wow. it was like last night when I texted Henry at like one in the morning uh, to feeling like an idiot because I finally figured out that the reason why the Scottish water creature, the Kelpie, the 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 seahorse, mm. the Kelpie is called a Kelpie because of kelp. Got the fucking seaweed. <laughs> oh, intriguing indeed. <laughs> yeah, and Henry texted back, we are dumb as shit. Yeah, yeah, oh. man, because Kelpie's also the name of a, the unhelpful Starbucks barista. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> love But that's Kelpie. the modern interpretation. I love Kelpie. <laughs> well, Jack Parsons, he was getting into Crowley's teachings so deeply that he began to consider Thelema itself as his true will. Rocketry was not his true will. <gasps> Thelema was oh. his true will, the true student. As such, Jack and Helen were initiated into the Agape Lodge of the OTO on February 15th, 1941, with Jack taking this as his motto. Henry, please. The establishment of Thelema through the rituals of love. <laughs> oh, that's nice. 
Yeah, I mean, it's he's basically make, stating his intention to fuck his way through a lot of magic. You know, there are just <laughs> there, I, as I was going through this process again, right? Because we've been the, the when we did the Aleister Crowley series, I also went insane, and now I'm back in it. I sent yeah. Marcus some really funky ass Thelema jazz. I'm waiting. I'm waiting until night because next week is when we're truly going to get into the magic stuff. I'm waiting for then, so it won't. So I don't mix the science and the jazz too much. I wish I could play some for you now. Can I we want play you to the next episode, please. Yeah, but no, because <laughs> next just episode just, we'll get into the uh, jazz. Uh, uh, it's just humping music, right? It's humping oh, music, yeah. and you know what it is, man? Is that we're caught up on our fucking bullshit. Right? I agree. Because we talk about yeah, it's him mad about like you know he can't do like he's fucking his way through magic, but he just understood. What if fucking became my life? Nothing and, wrong with and that. Not, and not only is fucking the center of my life, but then I can figure out the sort of like personal power attached to it. Fuck rockets. I've been blowing shit up since I'm nine. I've been doing this a long <laughs> yeah. time. And now I'm like, wait a second. Now I can fuck and mm. wear a wizard cap and do the whole fucking, the, the, all of the pageantry, like the idea of doing those rituals and walking into a room, you're blindfolded and a man with the ropes pulling you in there. And then there's mm. like a nude woman there and she's got to suck you not to you come because you got to save it. Oh, edgy. <laughs> edgy indeed. And fuck rockets, a fantastic new dildo product. Yeah. It's a great one by by Linda Lovelace. She's yeah. been dead for years. No, she's not. <laughs> no, Wasn't Linda she the one that had the clitoris in her throat? That's deep throat, yes. <laughs> that was Linda Lovelace. He though. refuses to learn. He refuses to engage <laughs> with the material. I think that was Linda Lovelace. She's dead. She's been dead since 2002. She's yeah. been de- she has been yeah. dead. Okay, yeah, you're thinking, I think you're thinking of... Um, that is Debbie Does Dallas. He is correct, but Debbie Does Dallas comes from like 1972. Yeah, but that yeah. was Linda Lovelace. Yes. Yeah, what a story. <laughs> what a story there. Anyway, I think that, yeah, it's all this talking about fucking his way through magic. It's not bad. It's not, I'm not poo-pooing it at all. It is a good excuse to live a lifestyle that's stinky and sweaty in all the best ways. Mm. But Jack Parsons was a true believer. Enthalamic principles. He's not just doing a. Yes, it's fun. That's great. That's a great side. That is definitely sure. a great side effect. He understood but he's doing it because he believes in it. He understood it's one package, mm-hmm. and that it's all one package. Like all of it. Like and who he was is that he was just an egg, mm-hmm. and now he need to crack the egg and become a chicken. Oh, mm-hmm. exciting! Well, once Jack Parsons was a part of the lodge, he increased the membership, started giving talks about the OTO in his own home and began to think of the OTO as his family, which would prove to be a grave mistake later on. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so Parsons split his time between Jado Tess and the OTO, and he would spend his off time in the desert unwinding the way a guy who splits his time between highly dangerous experimental rocketry and sex magic might do. Cool. Scrabble. <laughs> No, I don't know. I, I don't know the name of the game that him and Ed Foreman used to play. I mean, maybe it's called like Shoot Gun or yeah. Almost hmm. Die. Yeah, they would they, just, yeah. What is this? I could just see him being a board game guy. They'd stand 50 yards apart from each other, uh-huh. take handguns, and then just fire them at each other to see who could get the closest to the other guy without hitting him with a bullet. Yeah, dude. Well, what if they hit him? He'd get shot. But yeah. Yeah, man, this is the is he's not a board game guy. This is like this is the freakiest, wildest motherfucker you would ever meet. You would want him nowhere near your girlfriend. Like he is a at this point, this time, because everything's taken off and he's getting super slippery with it and all the yeah. magic and shit. 
Man, I love this motherfucker. He can have sex with my uh, girlfriend. Her name is Minerva. <laughs> and uh, she's a, she's fantastic. She, she needs to do the reading. Yeah, absolutely. She has ears where her eyes are supposed to be, and you should see where her eyes are. <laughs> but the thing about the OTO <laughs> is that it did interfere with Jack's day job. One time, he stayed up far too late partying, reading poetry, playing records with all his magical buddies. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice night, but he was super hungover because he yeah. really liked absence. Oh, and he yeah. made his own absence. Hey, man, fucking keeps you wiggly, man. Yeah, it's a strong one. So the next morning, because he was so hungover, he rushed through a countdown and it caused a huge explosion. That's Wait a thing. second. How do you? Okay. You count down. How did he mm -hmm. rush through it? You just like, all right, let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, let's go. Like, he's got it. Put it up there. Like Tommy was so directing the room, but he knew he had to, he could only, the rental was only good for 15 more minutes. Well, I think, I mean, I think with a countdown, I might be talking completely out of my ass here, but uh. I'm extrapolating from knowledge that I've learned about rockets over the last couple of weeks. Cool. I think part of uh, the point of a countdown is not just to like, let everyone know that the rocket's about to go off so they can look. I think there's a lot of preparations that you're doing yeah. during the countdown. Yeah, right. put pressure in the oscillator. And, yeah. and then, yeah, fire up the, the gribble gobble and then uh, get Ted <laughs> off his sandwich. Absolutely. Hey, Ted, you're sitting on a sandwich. And he's like, oh, my lunch. Get off of the sandwich. Yeah. 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 But if you just go like five, four, three, two, one, fucking do it. Fucking then go, get done. Right. It's not about the it's not about the numbers so much as the actions. It's not so yeah. much like when we show up hungover, we just ruin a week of content. Yeah, well, technically, and some then, of our best episodes have been hungover. Some, but it's again, freedom is a two edged sword. Yes, <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> it's yeah, some the of other our best, side. Many of our worst. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that uh, you know the, the thing is when he shows up hungover, he blows shit up. Right. Yeah. However, Parsons' involvement in the OTO was. A double-edged sword. Is oh. it candle good or evil? Neutral. Mm, ooh, sandalwood. Because while it did sometimes cause him to make mistakes, the intellectual exercise of studying Thelema seemed to unlock some previously inaccessible part of his intellect. Or so the legend goes. It is inspiring. It is. Now, by the time Pearl Harbor was bombed in December of 1941, the Jado systems developed by the Suicide Squad were still showing positive returns, so the research took on a new urgency. Now, even though Parsons had proved that jet-assisted takeoff, Jado, could work, he hadn't yet found a fuel formula that didn't fail 30% of the time. And you oh. can't send that shit out into the battlefield. Not yet. Well, it depends how much you care about your soldiers. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if it's Vietnam, then yeah, fuck it. Yeah, yeah, let's see how yeah. it works in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. So Pearl Harbor, everyone knows it was a psyop. We let it happen. We let it happen, bro. We got to do that episode. It's a lot more complicated than that. It's so much more complicated. FDR could jump. <laughs> but he couldn't walk. That's what's weird. Is he is could that, jump. Really? Wow. <laughs> but then... After working with this formula that, you know, didn't work 30% of the time, an idea sprung from his unconsciousness that changed the course of humanity. I'm going to go. Uh oh, he's going to go. <laughs> See, Parsons had been working with black powder for the Jado test to no avail, and liquid fuel was still too volatile for what the military wanted. But according to the legend, Parsons finally made the breakthrough to replace black powder with something else 
after seeing workmen spread hot asphalt on a roof. And this oh, is where God. weed help science. I mean this. <laughs> it's that there's sometimes you're just spacing out. We sure. were just joking about this before the show about how like, yes, sometimes it looks like we're not working because what we're doing is called executive time. Yeah. Where you're sitting and you're just thinking. You're yeah. just thinking about what? Could you do right? And you wonder, oh, like it's uh, not working. Hey, I want to move forward. Uh, what should I do? I need to put this down on my calendar. Executive time. This was his executive time, watching a bunch of guys slave on a roof oh as he's my just God. smoking doobies, and he's just yeah. like, "Holy fucking shit!" I can't. Um, what a horrible job that is. After what was they? They were putting asphalt on a roof. Yeah, they're doing yeah. their tar so on the roof. So it's hot as all tar, shit. Tar on roofs. Yeah. Oh Roofing. my it's a, god. It's a rough job, man. It's That's all we should job. be talking about is those roofers. Oh yeah. Finally. Thank you for all the roofers out there because we have a roof over our head because of them. That's right. <laughs> Chicken wings. <laughs> the cardigans. Now, Ben, do you think in the future you'll write a book of chicken wings or a book about chicken wings? Because is there two a very difference? Uh, chicken wings is a, is a two-boned food. <laughs> it is a double-edged sword in many, many ways. No, actually, sometimes I feel guilty eating chicken wings for some. Sometimes I can't eat meat on the bone. It makes me feel guilty. I also hmm. could. I was about hypocrite. to eat some ham That's yesterday, and I, yeah. I put it in my mouth, and I took it out. What? No, I mean, I don't. I like pigs. I don't, I'm not eating ham because I feel like it tastes like human flesh. Huh. Hey, you know. As, hey, it's a psychological thing. I was I've been say, talking about my love for pigs for like three years. I you finally can't it's starting really to build. eat yeah. ham. I am incorrect in saying Ben Kessel lives an unexamined life. It's examined. <laughs> no, this is it's true. It's highly it shows, examined. It shows there's something in there. I don't, yeah. what's ex, I don't know what's being examined. I don't know, but it's examined. <laughs> well, the smell inside of the asphalt reminded Jack Parsons of a flaming liquid weapon used by the Byzantine Empire that was called Greek fire. Greek fire. Nothing but hot Greek fire. Sweet. <laughs> Greek fire was a naval weapon that set enemy ships on fire by emitting jets of liquid fire from bronze tubes. Tubes! Awesome. <laughs> Reputedly, one could not extinguish Greek fire once it spread across your ship, except... By using sand, strong vinegar, or oh. in one telling, old urine, which oh. I guess points towards ammonia. Uh, old urine is also the story of a dog that was shot as a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's because of its terrible name. Yeah, it was too bad. He kept on throwing all the kids in the well. Mm. And it's like you're supposed to rescue them out of it. But what made Greek fire truly fearsome and effective was the fact that it burned on water, which made escape from an already burning ship impossible. Oh, man, smoking water. Yeah, yeah legitimately. The water. Wow. It also meant that Greek fire could reliably burn for long periods of time, reliably mm. and steadily, consistently. Now, no one knows exactly what Greek fire was made of because mm. its recipe was a secret passed down through emperors. But it's theorized that it was either petroleum saltpeter, sulfur, or naturally occurring asphalt. Ooh, asphalt's no, wait, I, naturally occurring? I suppose so. Hmm. I don't know. It, may I ask then, why are we putting this on roofs? It seems highly flammable. No, it's... it's <laughs> no, no, it's like how it's... I actually, I think that we're all incorrect. I think all three of us might be incorrect in a way, but only about the asphalt. Are they putting a basketball court up there? Asphalt in and of itself is not combustible. But if you mix asphalt 
with other things. It's it was just what the you mix smell. It, with. it was the smell that made him think about the, the about it. Yes. Yeah. It's like bleach is fine and ammonia is fine, but if you mix bleach and ammonia together, you get mustard gas. Yeah. I did not know that. Absolutely. It's chemistry. I'm talking about how chemistry works. Wow. That's, I'm fucking explaining chemistry right now. You wow. Uh, you have become oh. a high school teacher to me and Kissel. <laughs> yeah. And both of us are just middle like, school. Middle school teacher. Oh yeah. <laughs> Also, he's a horrible teacher. He's just teaching kids how to make mustard gas. Don't go in the bathroom. Sorry, it's my ass's fault. (laughs) (laughs) See, you know how to get, you don't know how to reach (laughs) these kids. You know how to do it. That's That's kid, though. (laughs) Ass's fault. So, when Parsons saw those workmen spreading black asphalt on a Caltech roof, he grabbed a bucket of common roofing tar and added an oxidizer that allowed the tar to breathe and flame. Mm. There's about 40 or 50 more highly complicated scientific steps Mm. between that point and the end point. But before Mm -hmm. Parsons knew it, he had created a fuel called Galset 53, which opened up a whole new category of rocket fuel, making Mm. solid propellants safer and more practical than the liquid propellants that tended to explode fairly easily and still tend to explode fairly easily. That fucking rocket that we launched off this morning almost exploded on the fucking uh, on the platform until the Red Squad went out and fixed the fuel leak. But oh. that is the excitement of science is that you never know <laughs> when you're a hero or your confetti. You never know. <laughs> and while this new category of rocket fuel would be used to fire ballistic missiles like Polaris, Poseidon, and the Minutemen series, hmm. the descendants of Galset 53 would also propel space shuttles out of Earth's orbit decades later. I do find it magically interesting that one of the ways they figured out how to oxidize it was that what they when they put it in a tube, they have a there's a space in the center of it that allows it to burn longer, and that space is a five pointed star. Oh, interesting. Very interesting indeed, sir. <laughs> you got it. You really brought a lot I will of science to it. Bring this whole thing to a printing <laughs> Indeed, it has halted. Now, Jack Parsons was only 27 years old when he made this discovery. But being 27, he was also making some extremely questionable decisions in his personal life, especially after he was fully under the freewheeling influence of the OTO. Well, I will say this, though. He's 27 in 1939 era, which, like inflation, it also affects age. So he's 43. Yes, and he'd only have (laughs) 10 more years of his life. I think that that's also very interesting because... We talk about the three ages of man and magic. And what we have seen up until this point, the first episode was his boy phase. Right? Oh. He was his child, right? But now we're seeing him as the man phase. Man phase as he grows to fruition and <laughs> his power. Okay, great. And when his wife Helen went on vacation in June of 1941 with her mother, Parsons began an affair with Helen's half-sister, Sarah Northrup who was just a hair under 18 years old. Something about hitting hair on that really is it's difficult. <laughs> All right. A smidge? Just a smidge under 18 years old? I didn't, is, is, that, is that better? Smidge sounds like <laughs> sure, what you call her. Being like, yeah, yeah she's a, yeah, this is my smidge right here. Yeah, I don't know how old she is. Don't ask her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, feisty, untamed, and somewhat cold, mm. Sarah greeted her sister Helen upon her return from vacation wearing Helen's clothes and Ah. saying, I'm Jack's wife now. Yeah. Oh, she's Jack's wife now. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
In a cruelly candid letter, Jack told his wife that he began the affair with her half-sister deliberately and would do it again because he preferred Sarah sexually and he was better suited to her temperamentally. You say cruelly candid. He did it in his version of, this is the thruple that you dreamed about, right? Yeah. Where it's like, it's James cutting to Con. the quick. It's cutting to the quick. And I had an actor once mm. tell me, and it's true, if you want to really do well in this business, you got to be fucking Right, yeah. and you got to be fucking all the time. And magically, I know, I, I know which actor told you that. You know yeah. exactly. And, and you didn't tell me, but I know which actors you know, and I know which actor told you that. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, hey, but he's basically mm. this idea, and it's true, is that as a magician, you're way more powerful if you be fucking right. Mm -hmm. And so with Helen, yeah, Helen's great and all, but Helen's yeah. Helen. Yeah, and I've been yeah, telling Helen, you already. Yeah, yeah, his he had admitted that Helen's character was superior, and he admitted that Sarah would not have faced the hardships that Helen faced with Jack. And he admitted Definitely that not. my Definitely God, she's not. not even anywhere near right. on the same level of woman as you are. But love you, Helen, I love you, Helen. But, but the thing is, a man, a poet, should be alive, be <laughs> drunken, in love, betrayed, hurt. Lifted from pinnacle to pinnacle. Mm -hmm. She licks my asshole. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> all that means. Well, she's sexy and new. And then again, he's yeah. fucking somebody new. And then it gives you that. It gives you a little it, pep uh, in your step. I don't know why he kept it in the family like she that. She was I right mean, there. Yeah, but dude, well, it was just Midge. He works no. at a goddamn college. Yeah, well, I, he doesn't work. Well, yeah, technically. At th by this point, he's starting to move out of the college and into the private sector. Yes. Mm. He, Not oh, quite. Literally. He's trying to create. His lodge. Yeah. Uh. And actually, as we'll get to in here in just a second, the half-sister was sort of the point. Now, this is a pretty clear-cut dick move, but Jack Parsons was doing all of this with the encouragement and the sanction of the OTO, who looked at marriage as a, quote, detestable institution. Well, that's technically Aleister Crowley's direct opinion of marriage, but he was also married twice. And so he <laughs> well, did feel he it. Thinks that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he, the OTO then has rebranded since saying, if it is your will, then get married. Sure. But Thank again, you. magicians be fucking. What if I yeah. just beat you up, OTO? What it's if a, I just don't a give a shit what you organization. tell me? Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. They'd be like, good, congrats. You're Thank following you. your will. Thank <laughs> you. Well, as for Aleister Crowley, he said people should marry for convenience and agree to go their separate ways without jealousy once it was over. Why must there be divorce? <laughs> you know, it just sounds like a very divorced man's opinion. <laughs> sounds yeah. like someone who's listening to a heroin needle. Yes. <laughs> And indeed, Parson saw his affair with Sarah as a crucial step in his magical tutelage. He wrote that his passion for Sarah gave him the magical force he needed at the time. I need my magical force! Okay. The juice, because the act of adultery, tinged with incest, mm. served <sighs> as a magical confirmation in the law of Thelema somehow. Can you well, explain that to me, Henry? Well, you know, it depends. Yeah, explain why incest is good really quick. Just <laughs> a tinge. You a always, tinge of a incest. smidge. 45 uh, yeah, seconds on smidge. why a smidge of incest is okay. It is not. Well, there is a little bit of the concept of transgressions, mm, right? Yes. The idea that a transgressive act can fuck with the magic juju and give it to you strong. But technically, the OTO and Aleister Crowley and Thelema specifically comes out against incest. Technically, yeah. but it, but this you, was not incest it seems like it because it's his because it's, it's his my marriage. wife's it's his wife's sister. That's why yeah. it's tinged with incest. It's yeah, got he a just smidge of incest. It's a bit of a hair of incest. He just knows that it's he'll a hair let... of incest caught uh, between your teeth. Yeah, hours uh, okay. long, Grandma. <laughs> but in the world? Uh, truly, uh, it's it's more about the fact that 
Sarah will be down with the activities of the OTO mm-hmm. and understand, hey, like the thing Helen was mm-hmm. like, well, no matter what, I'm your number one, right? I'm your number one. And he's like, yeah, oh, baby, yeah, yeah baby. But then Jack Parsons at some point was like, what if I had like five number ones? <laughs> right. Oh. But then you're all equal. You're like a team of rivals. Well, there's a, Helen, like she was not some wilting flower. She didn't no. run away screaming. She was a full-fledged member of the OTO. She would be a true believer until the day she died. Helen Parsons is extremely important to this organization. Very much so. So she stayed, and perhaps because Parsons was able to pull off such an impressive sister switcheroo, (sighs) he began to gain a reputation in the organization. Specifically, Crowley's second-in-command in in the OTO, a German immigrant living in New York named Carl Germer, he was hearing good things about this young rocket scientist out in California who had the tiniest bit of celebrity and just the tiniest bit more money. Oh, yeah. Oh, that seems to matter the most. Well, very much so. A lot of organizations, team, they really would like, you know, they want their Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. What, again, what L. Ron Hubbard, the difference between the genius and the artist, which we'll, we'll talk about next week, is he understood you got to fucking, we do need funding. You do need funding. And we do need some name recognition. Sure. And, and Jack Parsons was just in the newspaper as the brand new Frankenstein's monster looking guy that mm-hmm. is ready for the fucking primetime, baby. Indeed. Well, sounds mm-hmm. like he's more of the doctor. Live from your grave. Hi, I'm Jackie Zabrowski. And I'm MJ. And I'm Holden from the Page 7 Podcast. And we're going on tour. That's right. We're touring all up in this motherfucking country. I'll fake cursing someone ever, Jackie. Just say the filthy F word already. And we will say the filthy F word when we come to your town. That's right. We're coming to Texas, the Midwest, the Northeast, and then right back here in Cali, baby. For ticket links and more details, visit lastpodcastnetwork.com. That's right. Lastpodcastnetwork.com. Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser present Release the Butthole Cut! Wait, that's really what we're calling the tour? Absolutely. Release the Butthole Cut. For more information, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash streaming. NetSuite.com slash streaming. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. Now, Crowley's second in command, Carl Germer, he had an interesting story all of his own, and he'd very much suffered for magic and had come out the other end still a believer. In 1937, just three years before Germer contacted Parsons, he'd been in Germany when Hitler banned all occult groups, including the OTO. The only room for one! Yeah. <laughs> As a result, Germer had found himself in a concentration camp. Oh but he goodness. was eventually released, and he immigrated to America. God, it's got to be terrible to have ADHD in there. Henry, you are off the show. He's off the show, Yeah, Marcus. you're done. You're He's done. off the show. That's that was it. so That's hacky. That was, that was so <laughs> hacky. I'm upset. I'm I'm upset. Said, I just did a whole thing on chicken wings. Yeah, I know. It is upset. a will. That's, that's why he's oh, got no, God. you can't. We've been you doing this for 12 fucking years, buddy. <laughs> we are professional entertainers. You've been doing comedy for like 20 years. Oh, but that's comedy, before even, we came along. even 30 years. That's the best part. Is that because I have this experience, everything I say is canon. No, and it's everything not canon. I say, it's it like needs to George... be shot out of a canon and into space and never heard from again. Whoa, whoa now, whoa. <gasps> well, once Carl Germer arrived in America from the concentration <laughs> camp, he was then harassed by the FBI for being a close associate of Aleister Crowley. Because hmm. if you'll remember, Crowley had spent all of World War I in America writing pro-German propaganda for fun and profit. But he was like a double, you know, he's a double-double agent. Yeah. He was covered in animals. Whatever. Sense. Yeah, he was, well, he was saying that he was writing things that were so ridiculous that they was actually making the Germans look bad. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how that works. I mm-hmm. forgot. Yes. Yeah. Eventually, though, Germer settled into life in New York and was acting as Crowley's representative in America. He decided to act as a personal guru to Jack Parsons and implied that if Parsons accepted his tutelage, he would soon be introduced to Aleister Crowley himself. Which would actually fit in because it, it's interesting during this time period, Jack Parsons was actually, he was trying to become a more quote unquote serious student. And mm. there is a lot in the AA not the OTO. So AA yeah, was Alistair Crowley's, his own specific brand of the OTO. And it was just for him. But he viewed that as like Sea Org of the OTO. <laughs> to put it in that yeah. level, right? Where we're yeah. like, the, mm. the AA is what I have personal control over. And you're supposed to meet a dude, right? You're supposed to have a guy that's supposed to be a handler that brings a neophyte into the AA. So at some point, that's where Alistair Crowley, he says in a letter... I wish to God I had Jack for six months, even three. 
With a hustle to train and will and discipline, he must understand that fine and fiery flashes of spirit come from the organization of matter, from the drilling of every function of every bodily organ until it has become so regular as to be automatic and carried on by itself deep down in the unconscious. Honestly, he just wants he wants to butt fuck. He dis- yes, so the- <laughs> well, yeah. And he just wants As Jack, will. but he just wants Jack Parsons to just like be able to just like take it whenever. Well, <laughs> Alfred Crowley wants it's the opposite. He wants to be able to, your Jack Parsons to give it whenever. Oh. He wants to be able to look as Alistair Crowley did believe that his submission to another was the most powerful way for he got control by giving control. Okay, power bottoms. All right, about? of course. Well, once a Crowley introduction was dangled, Parsons increased his involvement in the OTO. He suggested that the OTO should move their headquarters from Los Angeles to Pasadena, which would allow Jack to spend more time at the lodge. But perhaps more importantly, it would give the lodge more space to spread out, especially after Jack Parsons rented a mansion at 1003 Orange Grove Avenue for $100 a month. This place was fucking huge. $100 a month. I'm going to jump off a fucking bridge. That's incredible. It was It was a different time. It was a different yeah. time. So oh, it was yeah. basically just taxes and rent. That's why they wanted to go to Pasadena. More space. More space, yeah. More, more, space. Mo- more bang for your buck. How many times did they say more bang for your buck? You, <laughs> I think there was a lot of that in the OTO. Yeah. But Jack Parsons w- lived in Pasadena, and it was an attempt. They they viewed him as the one. That was like one thing that started coming up. It was like as people were meeting him at the Agape Lounge, and 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 they were like. This Agape Lodge. The Agape, Agape Lounge, I, just, I think. It, that's the outside. Ooh, that's a hookah lounge. <laughs> that's, mm. When they started meeting him, they were like, oh, he's he might have the X factor. Okay. But Aleister Crowley, again, he was a very hard teacher. And his whole <sighs> thing was that, literally. And he, he you had to kiss the ring. Okay. Yeah. All right. But Parsons filled that mansion with OTO members, and they were all supposed to live there communally. It was a, sort of a second draft of Crowley's failed Abbey of Thelema, where people lost their minds and right. or their lives in the countryside of Sicily. Well, that's where he ate shit. Yes, and yeah, then watched yeah. others eat poop. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that, yeah, he ate shit and then spent two days going like, that was a bad idea. Oh, that was, yeah, oh like my it. God, I should have this astral stomach ache. It's supposed to be something I ate. <laughs> yeah, what, did, what have you been eating? Pancakes? Piles or carbs? of shit. Piles of shit. You know, I, oh, okay. you know me. I Maybe circle that in the calendar <laughs> and notice when the stomach ache started right after you ate that pile of human shit. It was a full log. That's what he said that he was. Yeah, a I full remember log the story. Was... I, that one sticks out. I remember only the things that I don't like the most. <laughs> <laughs> that was that one. He was an experimenter. I think he cut it with a fork and knife. I saw the movie I... Sallow. <sighs> oh, God. Well, when I say communal, this is communal living here in this mansion with all these OTO members. I don't mean that everyone was on equal footing. Rooms were assigned according to OTO hierarchy, with Jack Parsons and Sarah Northrup sharing a nice two-room suite so they could have separate affairs, as per the OTO's teachings. They were working. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. sounded like they were fucking, but they were working. All right. Ever the nerd, though, Jack Parsons covered the walls of his room with all the knives and swords he'd collected throughout the years. Yes, my boy. <laughs> proving that you can still be a sci-fi fan who openly collects bladed weapons and still gets laid if you frame it the right way. That's I'm going to tell you is, this, man. No one is framing it the right way. It's packaging, <laughs> So man. don't do it. I had a friend in college. He had knives above his bed. He just liked knives. 
But then you, you take a girl home, and then it's just scary. It's college so, again. It's different. Just, he's framing it the right way. You can't yeah. do it. You can't say it's just because it. You can't say like I just like knives. Like you got to say like ah yes, this blade. I procured this blade when I was taking a travel to Kathmandu and discovered. Super yeah, wet. but it's just scary because now you're holding a blade that can kill somebody, and they're in bad ceremonial and sword. <laughs> and then you go, that's how you frame it. And then again, this is my favorite you, chainsaw. But do you have a job? Are you available? Sometimes it really helps. Less weapons in plain sight. I feel also helps someone calm down. <laughs> well, sensibly, the mansion at Orange Grove was supposed to be a utopian community made up of true Thelemites who shared all the responsibilities. But this is the problem. It's kind of like in Satanism, right? Where if you, it's all of these guys, right? Each one's a, a each man and woman's a star, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all like love under will. And it's about expressing your true will. And it's just the thing about Thelemites is that it's really difficult to get them to work as a group yeah. because yeah. each one is so important to themselves. It's kind of hard to be like a freighter of Babylon. You're on trash duty. And he's just right. like, I want to come. And you're like, well, why don't you come while you're doing the recycling? Work mm -hmm. it into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get aroused by recycling. Didn't work out at all. Mm -hmm. And most huh. of them fell into traditional gender roles if they fell into any role at all. Because this is before they started really taking it seriously. Okay. Yeah. Jane Wolfe, one of the first members of the Agape Lodge, had to do all the shopping for the whole house, and another woman named Phyllis Seckler was supposed to do all the cooking. Neither one really did much of either. See, at least they were bad at it, too. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, just get Uber Eats. Come on. Yeah. As far as the men went, an actor named Frederick Mellinger uh -uh. was supposed sure. to do all the yard work. Oh, when that's he, not happening. No, yeah, no, no. he just didn't do it. All yeah. the garden no. stuff. And you I'm know what they do? I'm acting like I'm doing it, well, but it's just, you're not see, doing it. And they're just, uh, he's just like miming, miming a rake. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> no. they go and they're like, why didn't you do the garden? Why aren't you doing all the leaves and stuff? And he's like, it is not my true will to rake. Actors. And like, I just need you to just have the will to fucking, I'm going to kid you. I'm going to hate you. The true <laughs> skill that actors have is the ability to stay in the location for a long period of time. Like a uh, what do you like one of these uh, things they hang out in uh, the, the canisters of an shit. apartment? No, when you're <laughs> a on trailer, set, a trailer. Yes, yeah, so they can sit in those trailers for hours and hours and hours. It's, it's a, very important. It's a skill and stay mm. in the head mind mindset. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah method acting. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. Well, there was actually there actually was one guy who tried kind of tried using it's not my true will that using that excuse to get out of work. Wilfred Smith, mm. the co-founder of the Agape Lodge. <laughs> he he's in management. He's in. Ma I mean. He quit his day job. He said he was supposed to take care of the animals and the vegetables. But while I guess working at the fucking gas company, that's an acceptable position. Agriculture is apparently not a field fitting for a priest of the OTO. It's Whatever. not easy to do. Does he have any experimentation? Did he know how to grow a vegetable? I do feel like there is something in manual labor that actually does help magically. I think that he was incorrect. It's because he was a fancy pants nerd. When was the last yes. time he did manual labor? I'm in the house, I have to. Now, I, you, as soon as you have a house, you have to do a bunch of work, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Sarah Northrup, meanwhile, didn't do shit except have sex with Jack and do her best to fuck up Jack's day when she felt Jack wasn't paying enough attention to her, which oh. was always. She was, a, she was a spark plug. That's yeah. a bit of a smidge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really, about the only one who did anything was Helen Parsons, who was still technically married to Jack. She was the treasurer, and she did a competent job. Hmm. But the thing is, is that a lot of these people had kids mm. and they brought the kids to this mansion. 
And then they just kind of <sighs> let them run wild. Huh? It, and- it ain't for a family. You know no. what I mean? This is you're supposed to really be concentrating on the fucking your onus and and having sex under will and all that kind of shit. Not like Ugh, you got to go to kindergarten. Yeah, I would have gone with the no kid policy on that one. But if you are a kid running around the streets of Pasadena and with fairly loose parenting, eh, maybe it was kind of fun for some of them. A lot. Of, I mean, these were like yeah, like three year olds. Just oh, that was probably miserable. They were just kind of confused and upset. Yeah. 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 Well, as far as what Jack Parsons did, he had arguably the most important job. He paid for everything. Hmm. That is the most important job. And I need to talk to my fucking dogs about that. Yeah. Because Jerry and Puffin have been just, what do you do around here? Yeah. And it's like, you fucking, everything that you look at. Wendy said Mm -hmm. something to me the other day. I was on the couch. She said, aren't you supposed to be on tour right now? Shut the fuck up. And I was like, let me just sit. I know. Um, It's unbelievable what they say with their eyes. mm Mm-hmm. Well, he gave his entire paycheck to the Church of Salema every month, save for 10 bucks that he'd keep for himself. But for him, it was worth it. He provided the money, and the OTO provided him with a weird-ass family and a like-minded community. Yeah, I really think on his way, that's where, like, Jack Parsons is different than a lot of these other kind of remoras on society, as far as I'm concerned, where, like, he really was starting to find fellowship and loved it. He loved the actual practice and the study. And he was really getting into it. And he was just like, he did the thing where he looked around me like, how do I make this my life and uh, not everything else? That was the yeah. church I was forced to go to. Good News Fellowship Church. That's where they would marry a lesbian to a gay man because that's how that fixed that. It did. Oh. They did that. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. This guy, this guy named Steve, he was real feminine and tiny. He married this huge chick who was a truck driver. That's magic. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it worked out. They probably were pretty sad. Unless they yeah. started wailing on each other. Hey, no, like, I don't. Fucking like crazy. No, I don't no, think so. No, it wasn't really that, like no. that. I don't think it would happen. It was happen a bad like idea. Well, Parsons also brought in more people on his level. He's kind of balancing out the dead weight of the drama teachers and the former silent film stars who hadn't worked since the talkies had arrived. But they're setting up the atmosphere. Yeah. That is crazy. They must have, I feel like I pictured them in black and white. It it does. I don't know how to make them in color in my mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. Instead, Parsons brought in his old childhood friend and business partner, Ed Foreman. Also brought in Ed Foreman's wife. Mm -hmm. Oh. He also got a dude from the Hercules Powder Company and two math experts from Caltech. All these people were married and they were all eager to learn about the sex magic secrets of the OTO. This is 1940. It's a weird time in America. It's Mm. interesting because they really were true. They understood the kind of like this thing of like, okay, we're all doing magic. It's totally okay for all of us to come in and we'll all fuck all of our wives' hottest friends. And we'll all like hang out in a circle or at least most willing. And sometimes how willing you are, that shows how hot you are. Okay. What? Yeah, I'm just saying that like sometimes well, you're only as hot up for it. Sometimes you know. you're only as hot as what you're willing to do. <laughs> that's that's horrible. I'm just no, saying. It makes, I mean, <laughs> sometimes you gotta find it. You like you are sitting in a hotel room and you're like, I need someone to fucking lick my asshole, and you're sure. just gonna put that out in the universe, and you just gotta be, you just gotta accept who shows up. There you go. All right. Well, since Parsons was attracting individuals that were in positions of real power and esteem. He also drew the attention of the FBI. Yeah. Oh. The FBI would investigate Jack Parsons several times over the next 10 years, writing a file that would eventually stretch to 200 pages. 
However, the FBI never found anything illegal because Jack Parsons was only pretend evil, like most people in the OTO. But even though the FBI found nothing, neighborhood busybodies got in on the action too. Because this is what Anton mm-hmm. LaVey will steal later on. But the concept of the satanic duality, that's what's fun, is that it creates a barrier to entry. You create this environment where it seems like super fucked up and super dark and, and, and mysterious. And that actually precludes a lot of people from involving themselves because they don't want to get involved in something that's super fucked up. But then when you arrive, you're like, oh, you're all kind of kind of silly. It's, it's kind of boring. But it's, yeah. it's I, I don't you say it's boring. I find it as an actor. It's fascinating. And the idea of like showing up in a costume and doing all of this shit is fucking rad. It's their version of LARPing. And mm-hmm. they get to and they get to suck each other's dicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, a neighbor calling himself, quote, a real soldier sent a letter <laughs> to Pasadena police tattling on Jack Parsons, writing that a black magic cult practicing Crowleyism and sexual perversion were flourishing at Orange Grove. And somebody better do something about it for it gets out of hand. He's a real soldier. Go do it yourself. He yeah. wasn't. Uh, he was a soldier of Pasadena's army of men <laughs> that stare at your house. Now, as I said, nothing illegal was happening. But the Agape Lodge of the OTO was a dangerous organization to join emotionally if you weren't ready for it. Because the OTO, it's kind of the swingers club of the magical world. Basically, it's threesome rules. If you have to be convinced to do it, you're not ready for it. Nice. Mm. And a prime example of feelings getting hurt Jack Parsons brought in a guy named Grady McMurtry, who would eventually bring the OTO back from the brink of obscurity in 1971 with Helen Parsons. Oh. But back in 1941, when McMurtry first joined, he was dealing with the emotional consequences of sex magic after Parsons and Wilfred Smith spit-roasted his wife, got her pregnant, and paid for an abortion without telling him. Oh, Oh, interesting. Also, you continue to say spit-roast. In America, it is called rotisserie. And we did learn this because when we did, what what show were we in? Amsterdam? I forgot what it was. We were in Manchester. You were in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Because I mentioned rotisserie in uh, one of our stand-up, one of our funny little bits. Mm. And then they were like, it's not rotisserie, it's spit-roasting, which is so much more disgusting. And that's Mm -hmm. what makes it more European. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and spit roasting. I brought that back from, uh, that's one of the things I brought back uh, from Manchester, as well as, uh, you know, a relapse of long COVID. So, yeah. Yeah. Hell of yeah. It's that's both. Fun. You got yeah. spit roasted by long COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it has definitely been fucking both ends of your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as a consequence, Grady McMurtry said that Parsons and his ilk were a bunch of Empty-headed Athenians. Oh, that's as much as she could say after all that sex with his wife. He's like, you, you nerds, you're empty-headed Athenians. Mm -hmm. And he also said that Parsons himself was quote as coked up as a snowbird. (laughs) That's funny. He was correct in that last one. That one was was absolutely correct. Might be correct with the first one. We know. We just don't know. Well, in order to cope with all the new responsibilities facing Parsons in both the scientific and the magical world, Parsons started doing a lot of coke and a lot of speed. Hmm. This was right around the time he co-founded his own company with the other Suicide Squad members and called it Aerojet. Oh, that's cool. It is cool. I like Aerojet. Definitely a cocaine idea. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In addition, Parsons was also making his own custom drugs 
using his vast <laughs> knowledge of chemistry. And of course, this is encouraged by Aleister Crowley's teachings because Crowley said that drugs yeah. can assist in magical ritual and astral travel. Wait but a second, but he, like from the outside perspective, it's just a house that's now creating a bunch of drugs. It dude, and it's, it's, it's a meth awesome. lab, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's, but, it's yeah, fucking but, awesome. <laughs> it's a bunch of questionable people in a very fancy neighborhood, like an elevated neighborhood, like right. the governor, like like he had a house <laughs> there and shit. And so that's what I love about this story yeah. is that they moved right into the heart of the burbs. They, right. they, everybody was like, they created a community of naked artists. They were all like having sex with each other and doing all this shit, uh-huh. doing a bunch of drugs. And again, for the time period, it's super fucking awesome. For mm-hmm. me, like this idea of yeah. like it's in the super kind of square like version of America where they're all fucking covered in comp. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would go knock on the door right now at 9 p.m. and be like, can you keep it down, if my dog? Just, just turn it down to <laughs> nine. Can we turn it down to nine? Now, speaking of Crowley, well, it was nice that Parsons was bankrolling the OTO chapter in California. Crowley also felt that some of that OTO money should be spread to Crowley himself. Let's just think about this for a second. (laughs) Let's just think about this, okay? Maybe, maybe I could get a little cut. Huh? Come on. Yeah. And not just for heroin. Oh. Not just. Okay. For heroin. He also needed it for his new magical project. Wands. (laughs) You think they grow in trees? Technically, yes, they do. But Uh, it just seems like someone needs to get a job. Alice Crowley technically had a job executive time. He has to sit and think Think, about all of the magic that he needs to do. I got it. Okay. He does have actually. He does have a job at this time. At this time, he's making rejuvenation potions from his own. No, that's, think that's easy. That's not he's a job. <laughs> that's that's not a job. You mean to tell me no, that our job. our fan of the show and friend Tommy Pistol that he doesn't have a job? Well, no, he, he doesn't. He's on camera, <laughs> and yeah, he's he got a huge ding dong because technically he is kind of short. So I think the penis does look a little bit bigger. But anyway, you're talking mess on a man who fucks for a living. I'm not talking <laughs> mess at all. But he doesn't sell rejuvenation potions from his cum. He puts his butthole on camera. It's because he's leaving is, money on the table. Mm. Does he sell uh, dildos that are modeled after he his does. own dick? All yes, right. Th- that's that's what the these, 21st century the, version of that, I'd say. The fellas get to do... They don't make as much money as the gals there. No. Yeah. But they can sell no. their ding-dongs. <laughs> <laughs> and gals sell a whole bunch of stuff. Too. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point in history, Crowley was designing his tarot card deck. Yeah, the which Book of become- Toth deck, which is actually very powerful. Oh, yeah, it's become fairly standard in the tarot community since Grady McMurtry and Helen Parsons pushed for its publication in the 70s. Now, Crowley considered these cards to be the most important thing he'd ever done. But Wilford Smith, who was still technically in charge of the Agape Lodge, he didn't agree. Yeah. What do you mean? So, uh, Alistair Crowley was just like, this is the most important thing I've ever done. And the other guy was like, no, it's not. This is the thing about, again, about Thelema and magic is that it's all everybody's will. It's a bunch of upstarts. It's a bunch of people who got fucking mouthy mouths. But the problem is that Alistair Crowley didn't like that. He wanted a yes man. And when he presented this whole thing. Well, yeah, because he said this is one of the most important things I've ever done. And then the person just said no. It's their will. It's just well, Alistair Crowley was always looking for another Victor Neuberg. Yeah. Like he was, remember, he was the guy that he, uh, he power bottomed into, yeah, 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 into insanity. Yeah. Like he that's, just could that's, never get that guy back. Neuberg. He never could. No. When Smith didn't say yes to funding the tarot deck, he was ordered to step down. 
Now, the OTO was split between those who supported Smith and those who wanted the tarot deck. And Parsons sort of became the man in the middle. I think because he revered Crowley, uh, and he, but he was also friends with Wilfred. I mean, well, you need wrote, to get merch. I'm actually with Alistair Crowley on this one. People yes. would buy those. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, and they did. And they did. And it really meant something later on after his fucking death, which ah. is kind of sad. But Jack Parsons was regularly in communication with Alistair Crowley. And he was trying to, like, say, hey... I, I'm super serious about this. Like, I want to be like, I, I want to be the center of this. It, not so much the leader, but like, we need, a, there's a vacuum of true leadership happening in Los Angeles and we need something. But at the same time, he liked Wilford Smith, even though Wilf, Wilford Smith will later go on to bang his fucking ex-wife and make a child out of it. And he had to deal oh. with it, right? Well, it was technically still his wife when he banged her and uh, and, yeah. got, and got her pregnant. But yeah. that was also all a part of the OTO. They it were all cool with thing. it. They were all cool with it. Well, in an attempt to sort of mend this rift between Crowley and Smith, Parsons published a magazine called Order Flom, which was filled with articles about magic that were written by Smith and Parsons. And the Order Flom was actually a republish of the original 1800s newsletter where the OTO was announced. But that that's where the OTO, because mm. back in the day, they, you'd have to like, you'd find out about the new esoteric group when it showed up in some kind of like publication. And oh. so that was where the OTO kind of introduced themselves in like the 1890s, but they didn't become the OTO until like 1915. Yeah. Now today, Aura Flom is a Swedish makeup company. Mm-hmm. But back then, Parsons used the name to publish poetry that I actually like. Yeah. I actually like Jack Parsons' poetry. It's like it's somewhere, good. it's somewhere between like Aleister Crowley and like Hawkwind. It's like Iron Maiden lyrics, but psychedelic. It's Ooh, dope. Do, can yeah. we hear some? Yeah, Henry's going to read some. And I think like you could take these lyrics and just do this on your own later on. Like You could sing some of these lines to the tune of the verse and run to the hills. Like, yes. it's, got a, it's got a very maiden cadence to it. Okay. I hate Don Quixote. I live on peyote, marijuana, morphine, and cocaine. I never knew sadness, but only a madness that burns at the heart and the brain. I see charwoman, ecstatic, and human, angelic, demonic, divine. Each wagon a dragon, each beer mug a flagon that brims with ambrosial wine. The mountains are palaces, women are chalices, meant to be supped and not sold. The desert a banquet hall set for a festival, right for the free and the bold. Oh. You fucking, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> the wind and the sky are owls, heaven and all its stars, waken and do what you will. Break with this demon spawned, hell-inspired nightmare bond, magic lies over the hill. They said I was crazy, ambiguous, lazy, disgusting, fantastic, obscene. So I hide from my sagebrush and cactus and corn mush to see if the air was still clean. Oh, I hide, Don Quixote. I live in peyote, marijuana, morphine, and cocaine. And may I be twice damned for a bank clerk or storehand if I visit the city again. Sounds like the Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Who's getting his dick sucked? Well, I think the Grinch did get his dick. Maybe that would have made him happier. Oh yeah, man! You put that in like a fucking like a King Gizzard album like song. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Those lyrics, Doctor Susie, with good it, psychedelic sure. lyrics, man. No, yeah, man, that's pretty, like medieval rap. That's yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's better than anything in Hamilton. I'll agree. I'll agree. Oh, I don't know what happened with that. I don't know either. Now Parsons was pleased as punch at this poem and in everything he did for Orflame. But when he sent a copy to his mentor. Crowley hated it just like he hated everything that he himself did not write. He yeah. was just on heroin. Well, this he thing. was just angry and sick 
And I guarantee you, if you met him when he was super high, he probably would have loved it. I, mm. I believe that he was, in a word, jealous. I think yeah. that he missed the uh, his youthful energy and he wanted to yuck his yum oh. as much as possible because no one should feel the freedom that Aleister Crowley felt. He called him like he, he said the whole problem with him is that he was too poetic. Yeah. Too poetic. Okay. In fact, Crowley was particularly enraged at the poem. Which is funny. He, he wrote poetry. Alistair yeah. Crowley started writing poetry. Well, it wasn't okay. the poem that he was, it wasn't poetry itself that Crowley was upset about. He was upset over the subject matter because he wrote to Jane Wolfe that all the poem was going to do was revive the ancient stories about Crowley concerning drug trafficking and so on. <laughs> Crowley was really mad towards the end of his life that all anybody will ever talk about is how I'm addicted to heroin and I ate shit that one time. Like, he was like <laughs> so butthurt at the end, which is so funny because you're like, you yeah, created, you're the most yeah. evil man in the world. Like, that was the whole, that was your whole gig, dude. And yeah. now you're mad that they're calling you that. You set it up because it's that it's every. It's just once you're labeled a genius one time, you think you're a genius in every aspect. Like you start yeah. to think like, no, no, no. Now they need to understand me on my terms. We're mm. like, no, bro, you sold yourself as the great devil. And now mm -hmm. they bought it. So you live with it. Yeah. At this point yeah. in history, the last time that Aleister Crowley had been in the news was him actually trying to say that he wasn't evil. Yes. That he had gone, but because he tried to win a defamation suit. Yes. Uh, and and he's like, it was a character. Like, he did the Alex Jones. Uh, yeah. He broke character in court. Yeah, he said it was just. He said that actually his name means little sunshine, uh, and <laughs> like just like trying to get some money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Live from your grave. Hey there, podcast listener. Have you ever been listening to Wizard and the Bruiser and thought to yourself? I wish I could see just how fat Jake and Holden are in real life. Don't lie. We know all about your weird inside thoughts, listeners. Well, now you can make that dream a reality because Wizbrew and Page 7 are going on tour. Austin, Dallas, Milwaukee, Chicago, Minneapolis, D.C., Philly, Brooklyn, San Francisco, L.A. Nowhere is safe from an all-new show we're calling Release the Butthole Cut. Ew. Come join your fellow LPN fans for a night of pop culture chaos that's fun for the whole family, assuming your family consists of equally broken weirdos in their 30s. It's going to be a blast. Tickets are on sale right now at lastpodcastnetwork.com. Go, go now. There's VIP meet and greet passes available as well in case you want to get, you know, a little extra close, uh, especially personal. I legally have to clarify that there is no sexual element involved. I mean, unless, you know. Okay, cheese chick. All right, stop winking. All right, buddy. It's page seven in Wizard and the Bruiser live. Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com for dates and tickets. Now, Jack Parsons was embarrassed that Crowley wasn't picking up what he was putting down. But Carl Germer, Crowley's second in command, still had great respect for what Jack was doing. Germer also noticed that Parsons was the only one with any money mm. because his company, Aerojet, <laughs> was getting more and more profitable off government contracts, lest yeah. he forget that World War II was still going on. Well, that oh, yeah. was going to be one of my questions. Any concern about that? What? It doesn't seem like they're really talking about the big war. No, no, they're doing magic. And then the rest of their life <laughs> is spent building weapons for the war. 
So they spend their whole days doing the war, and then at nighttime they're oh. getting their dicks up. Oh, I see. So but, they are focused on the war. They know yes, the war is yeah. happening. But no, they all got. The, I mean, they're, in the muti- they're all in the arms industry. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. very, they're very much. Again, war yeah. profiteers. Well, they got their um, what's his butts. They got their. Uh, they didn't have to be drafted because they oh. were considered essential for the war effort working uh, on the weapons. Program. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So since Parsons had the brains and the bankroll. He was put forth as the only alternative from Wilford Smith for leadership in the Agape Lodge. Meanwhile, he wasn't super pleased. No. He didn't really want to be in charge. Again, he was like, that's not what I'm saying. He's like, I like to, again, executive producer is a really good place to be where you show up and you don't have to come up with every single thing. You're like the fourth executive producer. You pay for stuff and then you go like, that uh, curtain should be brown. And then you and just you sit the rest of the time in yeah. Video Village with the things. And then you could, you know, and then you just could do your sex match. So it sounds mm-hmm. like he was more of the inventor and not like a, uh, it's not a company. He wants to invent. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't he, want to run a company. He wanted oh, to build the life of the mind. Yeah. 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 And since Crowley was further put off by Wilford Smith, because Crowley thought Smith was turning the OTO into a boring love cult. Whatever. Jack's, Jack's <laughs> ascendance as head of the Agape Lodge was arranged. In return, Parsons gave Crowley... 300 bucks for the tarot deck, perhaps revealing the more practical impetus behind Jack's new leadership role. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. That's a lot of money. Now, this was 1943, and all this infighting had led to a significant exodus of the Orange Grove Mansion residents, who were actually probably more interested in Wilford Smith's love cult angle than they were in living by the Thelemic principles. I mean, mm. it just that's what's nice about these uh, these lodges, right? Because if you're in there for the ritual magic, you got it, got you covered. But if you're in there to just do group fucky-sucky, all you got to do is put on the costumes and go like, yep, I'm Saladin, blah, 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 and then you <laughs> yeah. do it. But if you don't like it, you can only do it for so long. Yes, eventually it does become annoying, I can imagine. See, while Parsons definitely kept the sex parties, he had refocused the lodge to make magical attainment the highest priority, and he began teaching classes on the tarot and Crowleyan studies. Now, once Wilford Smith was out as the head of the OTO, Crowley naturally wanted to get rid of him altogether. But Wilford Smith and Helen Parsons had begun an affair of their own, and Helen was pregnant. Yeah. And since Parsons actually did walk the walk when it came to the no jealousy rule, he asked Crowley to not take any further action against Wilford Smith until after the child was born. Because he still loved his wife. They're all in it together, you know? Oh, yeah. He's trying to make it work. Yeah. But as soon as the child known as Quinn Lanval Parsons was oh, born. That'll, that'll be, be good for him. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Crowley set a complicated and humiliating plan in motion that was somewhat of a mix between a test of faith and a highly elaborate practical joke. Which is Crowley at his very core. Yes. At his very core. Like the, I've been reading Moonchild too, and I forget how funny Moonchild is. Mm-hmm. Like Moonchild also has a lot of like parody of other magicians. Like he makes fun of fucking the Golden Dawn. He makes fun of these people. Like there's like funny shit in it. But yeah, he definitely, because <laughs> you can't just kick him out. You can't just say, like, get out of here. He has to come up with, like, this kind of, uh, you know, put him through it. He's got to put him through a bunch of labors. You could just say, get out of here, but... Mm, But if you do that, then you lose... um, If you say, just get out of here, you lose credibility. You lose leadership. You you have to make them leave because that's the thing. And it strengthens you if they leave, especially after you give them a bunch of goofy bullshit to do. You can say they were not strong enough. Because check it out. Listen to what Crowley had him do. 
Okay. Crowley sent Welford Smith a 12-page letter that presented a mixture of Kabbalistic calculation, omen-telling, and oracle reading. It included Smith's horoscope drawn up and cross-referenced with broad readings from Crowley's masterwork, The Book of the Law. Yeah, and he's just looking at it like, it's homework, right? Which yeah, is all like of Crowley, right? It's a yeah. lot of work. You look at it, and you're like, okay, how do I, all right, I'm parsing through this. And once Crowley established the appropriate amount of magical bullshit in the letter to the point where Smith couldn't argue with it, Crowley concluded by declaring that Wilfred T. Smith was not a man at all, but was huh? in fact the incarnation of a god, although Crowley did not know which god he was. So Crowley posits, like, listen, okay. so, no, so the best part is, <laughs> you're not, yes, you're no longer needed as the leader of the uh, California edition of the OTO. I oh, get right. it, right? You do, I mean, that's a bummer. But it's a promotion in a way. <laughs> Where you are now, though, but you're a god. I'm a god you're now. You're a god. I don't know which what one. What superpowers do I have? Oh, <laughs> one of those superpowers is definitely not being in charge of the OTO anymore. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and, but that's because that's beneath you. I'm a god. You're too good for it. I believe it. I'm a god mm -hmm. now. Well, Smith's mission, Crowley wrote, was to find out which god he was. That's a lot. And in order to do this, he gave him a plan, though. He said, you got to leave the Orange Grove Mansion. You're going to need to leave town. <laughs> you're gonna need to get the fuck out of it. Okay? You're gonna, have, you're gonna yes. have to cut off all contact with the Agape Lodge. Yep. Uh -huh. You're gonna have to tattoo the number six 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 on your forehead. This is the only oh, way that's I've great. done the reading. I've done the math. Uh huh. And you gotta move to the desert. Well, and only just... then, <laughs> after you go out, do all that. Only then would you be set upon the path. To discovering which god you are. All that's, that's important. Just, all that's, that's just the fucking, that's the Leg prep work. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had this logic when I was a bouncer to get drunkards out of the bar. Yeah, be like, listen, you're not drunk enough that we, to be honestly, dude. Come back when you're drunker. You should come back when you're drunker. Yeah. <laughs> Smith, of course, resigned from his position rather than go through this humiliating ordeal that was obviously just meant to humiliate him. Yeah. Oh, he didn't get the 666 tattoo on his face? No, like the no, guy no. who got the, the Rob R on his face? <laughs> uh, the vibe seems to be he was excited at, up top, and then as he was going through the documentation, he's like, I'm being roasted. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is, so he did I, notice. Yes. Uh, well, the thing is, though, Parsons soon resigned as well. The infighting and the pressure from his job was starting to get to him, and the weak attempt to manipulate Wilford Smith into doing something so stupid kind of soured Jack Parsons on Aleister Crowley for just a little bit. But if you'll remember, Jack Parsons had grown up without a father, so Crowley jumped on that need for a father figure by writing a paternal, if bullying, letter refusing to accept the resignation. Yep. Hmm. Crowley also, of course, left out the part saying that he really needed Parsons to stay because he was the only one around making any real money. Yes. Right. He was definitely the angel donator. Yeah. Yes. Now, Parsons knew that he was being manipulated, but he still had a thirst for knowledge, and he still believed in the OTO, and he believed in Crowley's work, even if he didn't always believe in Crowley himself. Oh, yeah. So Parsons decided to adopt Crowley as a father figure, and he continued his work for the OTO. I mean, most of our dads haven't eaten human shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what my father did in Vietnam. That's true. 
Your dad fucked around in a submarine in the Gulf of Mexico in Vietnam. Well, actually, we don't know like he the, didn't eat human shit. To be shit, honest, then... I feel like that actually shows that it was more likely he ate a lot of human shit <laughs> because all these Navy on. men are all fucking pranking each other and shit. Yeah. They used to take out the torpedo tubes and he'd crawl inside the torpedo tubes and they roll them up and down the submarine. <laughs> they had a great time in Vietnam. I can't believe we didn't win that war. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but concerning Jack Parsons' place in the scientific world, he was very much developing machines of war. He was building guided missiles that could fly 150 miles to deliver 1,000-pound payloads capable of killing hundreds, if not thousands, in a single shot. But what's crazy is that while he was developing these weapons of medium destruction, he was also playing dangerous pranks on his employees. He was, like, setting off smoke bombs during yeah. lunch. He's like, he's a fun guy. Yeah. He's mean, out of pocket, man. I <laughs> would really like to be the employee, but it sounds like he had fun. No, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, great fun. No, he would take firecrackers and walk up to play to areas where they were working on volatile chemicals and he put the firecracker into a tin can to make it louder and then he'd light it. That's funny. And then everyone would freak out because they thought they were about to die, but he's laughing and laughing. My thing is, man, honestly, your job is you're making these bombs, right? Stop being so scared all the time. Well, it's the scary process. Stop flinching. (laughs) Jack Parsons was steely eyed. Mm -hmm. I guess so. But since Parsons was of the opinion that no object is neither good nor evil, even if it is a ballistic missile. Mm, but can't, does a ballistic missile, or does it, mm, um, how do I make this neutral? Uh, <laughs> if it's just in your house, it's a table. That could be a table. It could be a lamp. It could really be anything. Maybe you could use it to make to make holes if you wanted a lake. I definitely help me fucking, you could take over that HOA with one. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Oh, my goodness. Well, Jack's company pushed forward and they were given $3 million to further develop missile and jet technology. The shit's getting bigger and bigger. By that time, Aerojet had changed its name to the Jet Propulsion Research Project or JPL. Jack Parson lives. That's what they call it. That's what they call it nowadays. And the group dynamic had changed as well. It was far more corporate and eventual trips to the moon had taken a backseat to the possible destruction of everything on the ground. Damn. It's not a bunch of buddies blowing shit up anymore. No. It's getting, it's all, uh, it's getting I out mean, of the job. Well, yeah. they're, they're dealing with some pretty important stuff. Yeah. Maybe you want a little structure. But Parsons continued to use JPL as his private experimental lab, continuing on with the same self-educated DIY attitude that had gotten him there in the first place. This, of course, caused tensions with the more hoity-toity employees at JPL, like an astrophysics professor named Frank Zwicky. Whatever, nerd. You're not fucking (laughs) having group sex. But now, can we just say maybe they're right? Because it seems mm. like he's doing a lot of experimental (laughs) stuff with very dangerous chemicals. Um, Executive time. (laughs) He needs to think of ideas and he needs to do things as it is his will. Yeah, doesn't have a degree. Well, that's the thing. Zwicky said he said that Parsons was dangerous and untrained, which, you know, he was. Both of those things were very true, but he got results. Bro, who needs that fucking degree, bro? If you're fucking, if you're, you fucking, does LeBron need a degree and jumping in in a basketball game? No, it's different. It's different. If anyone on this show, Ben, that I would imagine would Mm. be, this man absolutely for Jack I'm Parsons. This man, no, it's again, just it's I thought it was logic. I am fine with the with the man who pulled himself up by his weird suspenders and he made himself a physicist without a degree. But I'm just saying, at some point, maybe he could have gone to a class. 
Average is <laughs> a, a safety class. Uh, he was the class, Brad. Uh, well, that might be the problem. Well, Zwicky had no respect for Parsons, and Zwicky would order chemicals for experiments that Parsons told him wouldn't work for rockets. Parsons fucking like, why wrong, are you doing that? Zwicky. Fuck you, Zwicky. Yeah, but Zwicky's saying, I've got the fucking, I'm a professor. I've got the knowledge. I'll order them. Okay. Uh, so, Mr. Teacher, I'll do whatever you want, Mr. Teacher. I like the doors more than the teachers. He's, but on, some, the te- he's on the teacher's I side. Am, I, what has happened? I am pro-teacher in many ways. I mean, I well, just think he could have been taught how to be safer. That's so weird. All right, that's so weird. I want to see how you respond to this, Ben. All right. When the chemicals arrived, the Zwicky order that Parsons said, no, we don't need those. Why are you ordering those? When they arrived, Parsons snuck out to the building where the chemicals were being held and he blew up the building. That's what I'm fucking talking about, dude. <laughs> I mean, Student I don't becomes know. the master. Oh, Mr. Teacher. He's got a oh, what if I blow up your school, He's Mr. Teacher? <laughs> what is he fucking? Is he Tiger King trying to kill his alligators? <laughs> He's in charge of himself, bro. Yeah, but man, this, this is, is his. Uh, well, a, not, we're about to go to war. We no, we're in war. war. We're in war. <laughs> yeah, man, all's fair in war. This is with us. If he's at war, technically it's an act of domestic terrorism. Look at you. We got him in the hypocrite trap. No, this is not We got him right trap. in there. We got him. He blew up a government building because he was pissed at a professor. We got him against the wall. You're him scrambling. It's not a government building. This is a private building, bro. This is a company that he owns with a bunch of private dudes enterprise, bro. And a Freedom group is a two-edged He sword. just sounds like he would buy Twitter for forty-four billion dollars. Yeah, that's his. <laughs> that is his fucking ability. Okay, no, man. This is a company that is owned and founded by a bunch of dudes called the Suicide Squad. Yeah, bro. Get with it. All right, I'm fine with it. Just All right. Saying. All right. Eventually, though, the demands the military put on Parsons got to be too much. They demanded 20,000 JATO mechanisms a month when Parsons had barely managed to build 2,000 in the entire previous year. Hmm. And so when a company called General Tire bought 51% of the company Parsons had started with the Suicide Squad, Jack Parsons and Edward Foreman sold their shares to Frank Molina for $11,000. No small sum in 1943. Absolutely okay. not. And there was a little bit of conjecture about whether or not they were forced out or not or asked yeah. to leave. And they, because, again, they were, uh, the suits took over. Sure. So once the suits came in and took, they bought it out and stuff, and they look at Jack Parsons, and they were like, well, you're, you're too much of a renegade. Well, because he blew up that entire building. <laughs> Taught that teacher a lesson he should yeah. have known himself. Huh. Ever since, that company has been involved in every manned space vehicle that the United States has ever launched. And the shares Foreman and Parsons sold were worth $12 million just by the 1960s. Never mind present day. That was maybe a mistake. Maybe they should have kept those. They might have just fired them. Put them in your back pocket. Yeah. Uh, But money was not what Jack Parsons was after. Freedom! But money, Money's, oftentimes, it has been scientifically proven now that it does make you happier. He already was, it's different. <laughs> he's, he's trying to get in the magic biz. Okay. While he still briefly worked as a consultant for JPL after the sale, he left the rocketry world completely at the age of 30 to completely focus on magic for the rest of his short life. Age three, the man ascends. Ooh. Now in modern value... Jack Parsons' $11,000 was worth two hundred grand, a fair okay. sum. Yeah. So using these proceeds, 
He bought out the mansion lease at 1003 Orange Grove Avenue and spent almost all of his time at the lodge as a man of magic and leisure. That's all I want. One day, one day, if you could listen to this jazz fusion shit, dude. If you got <laughs> I can't show wait next to week, hear it. Man, I like, can't wait. All day long. That's all you listen to. Like, yeah. Just like nice. fucking and drinking espressos. Sounds exciting. So he was alone now or he still had a whole crew? He's got the whole, dude, he's got the crew. He's living with the crew. Okay. He's there 24 hours a day. Jack don't got to fucking wake up at 7 a.m. to go in and build rockets no more. Jack's there all fucking day long, bro. Yeah, dude. He's Ooh. there playing with toy boats in his bathtub. Yeah, he's bro. He's there hanging out with Sarah. That's my boy. All right. He's there fucking playing drinking games with Grady McMurtry, who had since forgiven him for impregnating his wife and paying for an abortion behind his back. Mm, They're playing drinking nice. games, man. That's fun. They had this one drinking game where they would chug aperitifs and then they would <laughs> recite esoteric texts to see who could articulate their recitations the longest. Because that's important because you're supposed yeah. to hold your attention. A lot of the fucking ritual shit's all memorization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But while Parsons was out of the rocket game, he wasn't yet done with explosions. He and Ed Foreman founded the Ad Astra Engineering Company, named after one of Aleister Crowley's magical organizations, and they continued to experiment with combustibles. At the same time, though, Parsons was alienating some of the older members of the OTO with his complete control over the mansion on Orange Grove. Hmm. To make ends meet, because he's not getting that Aerojet money anymore, no. Parsons was renting out every available room to people outside of the OTO, although he still wanted to make sure he had the right vibe from all the new residents. This is what he wrote in a newspaper ad calling for borders. And remember... I think this was 1947. Okay. No, there's a, is it that late? It's, yeah, it's like 44, 45, somewhere around there. Only bohemians, artists, musicians, atheists, anarchists, and other exotic types need apply for rooms. Any mundane soul would be ceremoniously ejected. The thing about a mundane soul is they pay rent. Well, you're looking for <laughs> a non-mundane soul that has disposable income. Oh, okay. yeah. Sounds like what they're, this is, it's the same thing that they're doing in Williamsburg, Brooklyn right now. Very much so. What do you mean? Williamsburg, Brooklyn? Yeah, it's a bunch well, of, a bunch of fund kids. It's a bunch of kids that you somehow have $5,000 a month for rent and they the don't The real work. artists no, are out in Bushwick get... now. Yeah, sucking dick by the bridge. They're even further out than that now, man. They're in Ridgewood. And even then... Oh, is it made it all the way to I'm Queens? I'm salty. I'm salty guys, about that. You guys don't we, know this? Oh, yeah, no, dude. Ridgewood, Ridgewood is like supposedly like the one of the coolest neighborhoods on earth now. They're lying. They're absolutely lying. <laughs> okay, no. I mean, it's the people that make it cool. Sure. I, I guess so. If they only knew Catalpa. But even though the OTO members weren't super jazzed about non-members coming in, Jack's ads did create a groovy atmosphere. <laughs> Music, it sounds like that. Like, oh, oh. As author George Pendle put it, nuclear scientists and rocket scientists lived alongside occultists and sci fi nerds, while Parsons and Sarah Northrup led Gnostic masses for the OTO members upstairs as high priest and high priestess. Feel the groove. Oh, sure. Now, concerning those sci fi nerds, Parsons was still a massive science fiction fan after all those years. Oh, yeah. And he'd been hanging out with some of the most famous sci-fi writers of the century. 
He was hanging out with Robert Heinlein. Robert he Heinlein actually tried to say he had nothing to do with Jack Parsons, but they know for a fact that they were really close friends. Robert oh, Heinlein's yeah. a weird guy. Huh. Yeah, he's a weird guy, yeah. But he was hanging out with Ray Bradbury yeah. as well. Oh. Yeah. And they were both fascinated by the way Parsons could bring science fiction into reality. You hear that? Science fiction into reality. Guess yeah. who's coming into the scene soon? My boy, it's coming around. Man. All right. Now, as far as how Parsons met those guys, the Los Angeles sci-fi writers like Heinlein, Bradbury, and Isaac Asimov, as well as special effects nerds like Ray Harryhausen, you know, who did the fucking The Skeletons and Clash of the Titans, yes, and sweet. publishers like Forrest Ackerman. Forrest Ackerman, all, who is one of the most important collectors of all time. He mm-hmm. had, like, he was, like, he collected esoteric things and pop I've culture I've heard that things. name a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd all hang out together in a downtown Los Angeles cafeteria called Clifton's. Which is where Jackie had her bachelorette party. Oh, is it still existing? Yeah, it's it still exists. Yeah. Jeez, oh, that's interesting. Well, Clifton's was run by Clifford Clinton, who'd been oh. the anti-corruption activist whose investigations into Mayor Frank Shaw had led to the car bombing we talked about last week. So all right, it's this. all coming together. It's coming together. See, from what I can tell, and I might be wrong on this, Clifford Clinton was probably the one who thought to ask for star witnesses in the car bombing trial from Caltech because Clifford had underwritten projects at Caltech concerning the development of nutritional foodstuffs to combat mass starvation. Cool, like bugs. Yeah. Oh, not bugs. Cornflakes. Pink slop. Mm. Yeah, it's bugs. It's going to be bugs. We're all going to be eating bugs. We're We're all going to be eating bugs. We won't know it, though. We are going to know it. (laughs) We're going to be eating bugs. No one's eating bugs. You're going to be eating... Well, you're not not going to live long enough to eat bugs. Yeah, he's not going to even know. You're not going to live long enough to eat bugs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the healthiest one here. You, oh, you're right. I forgot. You're right. <laughs> Technically, I am. What? Medically. What? What? You haven't seen a doctor in 20 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's at Caltech that Clinton was put on to Jack Parsons. Mm. And after Parsons became the star witness to put the car bomber behind bars, he dropped by Clifford Clinton's cafeteria, where he found the greatest sci-fi minds of their generation just hanging out. Yeah, All man. right, everyone's at Clifton's. Eating soup. I love it. Oh, yeah, man. Split pea Wednesdays. Now, these <laughs> meetings were certainly impressive, just for the amount of brain power in the room. It's sort of like that uh, crew of directors who all hung out in the 70s, like, you know, Spielberg and Lucas and Scorsese and Coppola, all fucking hanging out. Yeah, yeah. it's like when everyone, uh, it was like when Bill Gates and Clinton used to hang out with Epstein. Epstein, that, that fucking, yeah, 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 yeah great, great minds. Group great minds. Yeah. But in last podcast land, these sci-fi meetings at Clifton's Cafeteria are more known for being the place where a certain sci-fi writer supposedly made a bet with Robert Heinlein that he could make a religion out of science. All we do is replace gods with beakers. Yeah, all of this is being done around soup. <laughs> and it's maybe, a soup-based life. It is a soup-based life, isn't it? Now, that story isn't true. But there's no doubt that had it not been for those meetings at Clifton's Cafeteria, Jack Parsons would have never met L. Ron Hubbard. The ginger lover extraordinaire. Yeah. The smartest man <laughs> with the best body who's ever lived in the 20th century. There you go. And L. Ron Hubbard may have never learned what he needed to learn in order to eventually create Scientology. Mm. Yes. And it's with the entrance of L. Ron Hubbard and the eventual destruction of Jack Parsons that will conclude our series in two weeks after the Thanksgiving holiday. 
You must be Ooh. careful who you pretend to be because we are who we pretend to be. Indeed. And Jack Parsons, he mm. will be emoliated like so much rocket fuel on his way to magical purity. And the problem is with every genius is that they're absolved into the Godhead. While the artist who must a lot of times decipher a genius works, they live on and on and on to smoke parliaments in space. Oh. Thinking about how they used to be a clam. You sound like someone trying to explain that really shitty movie where everyone walks backwards. What? In the movie where everyone... Tenet. Tenet. Yeah. Tenet. He's yeah, mixing tenet. it up with Inception. No, I'm talking <laughs> Tenet. So, no, no. Tenet, tenet is the... They where everyone walk backwards. Goes, it's hard for the people to see it. You go, Tenet. Like, you just... You do the hand signal. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but everyone's like, I think I get it. It's like, no, it was just poorly written. It was just... It's just sparingly written. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much I for listening. I can't believe he's pro teacher today. I can't I, believe you're so pro teacher. You're pro teacher, pro education, pro gatekeeping. I pro mean, gatekeeping. super gatekeeping. No, not gatekeeping. I, I thought just he said he shouldn't the... blow up the goddamn building. I thought that you were the lamplight of libertarian freedom, oh and all you are is talking about all these structures. He's so happy to have all this infrastructure. What's happened to him? I thought it would always be cozy. You guys have been trying to speak for me. For a long time. <gasps> yeah. You all you do is talk. Thank God. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you for Unbelievable. listening. Unbelievable. Uh, we will see everybody in Indianapolis and Grand Rapids this weekend. Marcus, he's uh, not gonna be there, but we're gonna have Jackie Zabrowski and Holden McNeely. Yes. So they'll fulfill half of what Marcus can bring. So there you go. <laughs> I would say so we need two others to completely fulfill you, but That's Eddie right. is busy. Thank yes, he's on it. And Larson is that. on his honeymoon right now, yeah. enjoying and, his life and swimming in uh, swimming in a lot of water. Yeah. And thanks to everybody who's thanks to everyone who is understand being very understanding about me taking these shows off. I'm still good enough to record, still good enough to, you know, live a life, but just not good enough to travel to um, two different cities and perform for six hours over the course of two days. So thank you very much for thank you and for understanding. Yeah, I like about our fans is that they are they are fairly chill. They are cool. you, yeah, you guys cool, are fairly man. chill. They're cool. So thank you. They're cool. Sometimes they get riled up, but so do I. All right, yeah. everyone. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting all the shows here on the network and what we're doing on Sirius has been so fun. And you guys are just being wonderful. So hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Congratulations, everybody. And find your path yourself. It's important. It so is remember, important. You go out there every day, right? You fucking. Find your locus. And sometimes it takes some reading. Oh. Sometimes it takes getting your butthole licked in a mansion somewhere. Yeah, all of that is fine, it. but then he blew up a building. That's all yeah, I'm saying. I can't believe that he is Don't just, commit you are acts so of domestic terrorism. He has become building. a He said last, before he side stories, the capital. he said he wanted to become a police officer before our last episode <laughs> No, I didn't say story. that. I said when yeah. I was nine years old and my mom told me not to. He's changed everything. <laughs> He's changed Oh my God. All right. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.